micro-communities are ironically becoming a big thing. How big? Life-changing amounts of money big. Hey, I'm Arvid and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder. Today we will dive into the microcosm of small but incredibly lucrative communities. This episode is sponsored by Acquire.com, more on that later. Now let's put micro-communities under a microscope. I'll, I'm done with the jokes at this point. <laughs> Right, The internet changed my life in, in many, many ways in the past. And not just when I sold a software business a couple years ago. That was great, but there's something from before. I remember from my childhood, the late 90s and early 2000s, just how paradigm shifting it was to realize that I could easily find people just like me on the web, where in real life I struggled super hard to find my fellow nerds, let's just call them that. The first communities that I ever truly felt understood in were virtual. That was then. Today it's gotten even easier and stable communities have formed for every possible niche interest out there. And the reaches <laughs> do indeed lie in these niches. You know, niche, niche, whatever you want to call it. It is something that is incredibly lucrative. And I think there is extremely valuable opportunity in these micro communities for creators, both for distributing and monetizing their work. So let's talk about the income generating potential of being part of or even starting micro communities. Let's define what a micro community is, because it's important to understand this difference between general online communities and these niche focused micro communities that I want to talk about today. The key distinction lies in their scope, the intent of their scope. While there are many software development communities, for example, they tend to be quite general. And even if they focus on a specific programming language or something like that, they are still easy to access, often volunteer-driven, and their themes change frequently over time. Even the makeup of their member base fluctuates a lot. A lot of people join, a lot of people leave, and it's a lot of people. Micro-communities, on the other hand, are often harder to access, with membership either being invite-only or requiring a purchase. The themes and topics discussed within these communities are typically focused on successful outcomes. And unlike general communities, which often serve as a place for people to hang out, to learn, or just be entertained, micro-communities are more results-oriented, and the monetized ones especially focus on helping members achieve specific goals in a structured manner. That makes all the difference. And these communities also foster networks of relationships where people engage, support, and motivate each other. The examples of such micro-communities include the Small Bets community, that's a pretty famous one, by Daniel Vassallo, and the First Gen Entrepreneur community by Andrew McIntosh, which helps first-gen entrepreneurs navigate those challenges of starting a business. Both of these communities have a very strong network of current members and alumni, creating opportunities and results way beyond and outside of the content shared within these groups. This deep engagement, both in terms of content and with people, is an essential aspect of micro-communities. With a well-defined scope, a theme, a very precise theme, it's easier to truly connect deeply with each member and help them achieve their specific goals. And this specificity then leads to more noticeable outcomes, which in turn strengthen the bond between you as the person that founded the community, the person you helped, and everyone else in the community who gets to see it. Micro-communities like this prioritize depth over breadth, which leads to a more meaningful exchange and interaction between members. Progress is much more visible, 
which then both inspires and educates new members of these communities more quickly. The benefit here really is that it's so single-minded on the topic. Right? If you have one specific topic and all actions in the community are towards that, then there's something in there for everyone. Either people who've been there for a while or people who just joined. There's always going to be something meaningful in there. In a general community, people discuss the most random things. And if you just joined the community, you might be overwhelmed by this. Doesn't happen in micro communities as much. You also have a much stronger loyalty and trust among members because everybody's in the exact same boat and they sometimes pay for it, right? They all want to be in there. If I join the small bets community, I know that I want to build a portfolio of projects I'm willing to pay for the luxury of being able to do this with other people. Because I also know that everyone in there wants that too, and they may be further along. I trust that these people share my dream. I know they can help me. That's why I want to be in there. And that mutual trust and loyalty to each other creates stronger bonds between everyone in the community. And this is a benefit for the creator too, because in terms of a community's retention, it is much easier to retain an audience of people that are highly motivated and trust each other than if they were just strangers to each other talking about random things. And community managers, which in most communities started by a single creator, is just that individual creator, can also eventually be recruited from within this community. They know each other, and the people who are trusted the most often tend to be the first non-founder community managers, which, if it's a monetized community, can and probably will be a paid occupation. So it turns out that many community builders don't just start a community, but they actually turn it into a business just by virtue of setting up these internal structures to govern, grow, and maintain the community. And there's also a flip side to this from community to business. You can flip it around. Some micro-communities begin as businesses, as cohort courses, and then they evolve into these long-term communities with additional benefits and strong ties amongst their members. There are many ways to combine community with business. So let's talk a little bit about the money part. The monetization opportunities within these communities are what I personally find the most interesting because they aren't limited to the person that kickstart the community. Of course, that person is going to make a lot of money if they built the system right, to monetize it well, but there are other ways to allow people to monetize communities. I personally have been part of several communities that asked me to teach a particular niche-specific topic for a fee. And as a creator, I think that's something that I never had anywhere on my radar, that I could just teach the specific thing that I know a lot about through the perspective and specific angle of that community. Let's take uh, both examples of the communities that I mentioned earlier. In the Small Bets community, I taught about monetizing the many different ways of being a creator. I pretty much just shared what I do and how I do it for people to be inspired by or find little things that help them. In the first-gen entrepreneurial community, I would probably teach this from a perspective that is a bit different, a perspective of someone who, as a first-gen entrepreneur myself, has had limited access to advanced entrepreneurial topics, such as ways you can approach sponsors or advertisers, partners, bigger businesses, people I've never spoken to in my life and kind of thought I could never speak to. That's what I would focus on there. So the angle of the community, the specificity of its scope allows me as a creator to take my content, my insights, my knowledge, the value that I know I can provide and specifically shape it to fit into and appeal to any particular community. That's something really new. 
and surprisingly accessible for creators. The fact that this is mostly a virtual activity allows the knowledge that I give in the workshop to be infinitely available within these communities because people record it. And if they record it and make it accessible to new members of the community, my one hour workshop with, I don't know, 20 attendees becomes something that can be watched by thousands of people thousands of times. And I know that most micro communities do exactly that. Any live lecture, any live event is recorded and made accessible as a video for people who could not make it or people who joined the community after the event happened. And a lot of the creators that teach their specific insights within these communities, a lot of them become regulars. They teach more topics or they teach the same topic differently to make the community even more accessible to a diverse range of people. It's a creator economy opportunity for sure. Community access, let's talk about this too because that is also the part that uh, is important for people who want to build communities, who want to set them up, can be monetized in several ways too. If the focus is on a long-term goal, subscription models tend to work pretty well. But if it's a community not of continuous practice, but of reaching a particular goal, then a sizable one-time fee with unlimited access to certain content and features can work because eventually people will reach that goal, either by themselves or with the help of the community, and then they themselves become teachers to the new members who join. And you also can have some kind of freemium there. I've seen this too. Different kinds of content might be gated and is purchasable within a free community with like a baseline of free accessible content. But even just as a participating creator in these communities, you can monetize. And I think this is wonderful and specifically empowering to people who are starting out sharing their knowledge. Now, there are risks here in micro-communities too. These communities can turn into echo chambers and develop a lack of diversity because as they have entry requirements that might exclude certain demographics or certain people who can't afford it, yeah, it will limit who's in there. It's a good idea to implement some kinds of purchasing power parity pricing, for example, and to actively seek diversity in inviting people into the group that are adding to the multitude of perspectives. You really want a diverse range of topics being discussed and a diverse kind of people in your community too. Otherwise, it's can, it can be pretty problematic. Micro communities can have this mob effect. They often shift the discussion in forums or in the public space because the strong bonds and active participation of members means that often they are an amplification mechanism for one particular kind of opinion. You have this a lot in the software development space where certain loud vocal minorities are drowning the diversity of other opinions just because they're well organized and micro communities can help rallying the troops, so to speak. But in the end, that just shows the strength and the theme and tough, tough, the, the strength and the theme. Wow. But in the end, that just shows the strength of the theme and topic that these communities are formed around, which is not necessarily a drawback. One of the biggest issues with communities like this is that there tends to exist a kind of hierarchy that cements itself, especially if they have a benevolent dictator like many influencer-centric communities have. The influencer, the expert, has a say in everything, and the community has to either agree or is disbanded or dissolved or members are kicked out or excluded. There's a risk of tyranny in these communities because they're not democratically structured, but often very authoritarian in structure. And if that's not counterbalanced, it tends to exclude certain people who do not like this kind of structure and therefore can't participate in an otherwise very useful community. 
So what does the future hold for micro-communities? I think we'll see much more tooling around influencer-centric communities that makes it easier for somebody to spin up a community and retain people over time. We'll see a lot of experimentation with subscription payments, one-time fees, lifetime deals, that kind of stuff, just as we've seen in the software as a service space over the last decades or so. And we will see how communities deal with monetization and what kind of paradigm prevails. We will also see how communities deal with diversity, inclusion, and alignment. We'll probably have some kind of influence from the Web3 space there, where voting or participation in communities is integrated into the tech stack of the community itself. And we'll likely also see collaborations and mergers of larger communities, or the bundling of smaller communities into larger ones, just like we see in the world of business. I think there will be communities of similar or supporting topics that merge with each other into bigger, more generalized ones. That's going to be a very interesting one. And it's going to be equally interesting to see how those are governed and maintained. Also, there'll be like a media explosion. It's already happening. It's starting with video recording of live events, like I mentioned. But we'll see things like internal community podcasts become commonplace. I've seen a couple communities that are doing this, either a podcast for the community or a podcast within the community, where the people that are participating in the community go on a show that then gets made public. The future of niche communities, micro-communities, looks pretty bright, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it happen. And that's it for today. I will now briefly thank my sponsor, Acquire.com. Imagine this. Your founder who's built a solid product, a SaaS product, you've acquired customers, and it's generating really consistent monthly recurring revenue. The SaaS dream, right? Well, the problem is you're not growing for whatever reason. Maybe it's a lack of focus or a lack of skill or just plain lack of interest. You feel stuck with your business. What should you do? Well, the story that I would like to hear is that you buckled down, reignited the fire, you got things going, and you started working on the business, not just in the business, did all these things you always wanted to do, build an audience, marketing, sales, do outreach, and all that stuff, and six months down the road, you've made all that money, you've tripled your revenue, and you have this hyper-successful business. Wouldn't that be great? Well, reality is unfortunately not as simple as this. And the situation that you might find yourself in is different for every founder facing this crossroad. Too many times, though, the story here ends up being one of inaction or stagnation until the business itself becomes less and less valuable over time, or worse, completely worthless. So if you find yourself here already, or you think your story is likely headed down a similar road, I would consider a third option, and that's selling your business on Acquire.com. Because capitalizing on the value of your time today, that's a pretty smart move. Acquire.com is free to list. They've helped hundreds of founders already. So go to try.acquire.com slash Arvid and just see for yourself if this is the right option for you at this time for the business that you have. Thank you for listening to The Bootstrap Founder today. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L, and you'll find my books and my Twitter course there too. If you want to support me and the show, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, get the podcast in your podcast player of choice, and leave a nice rating and the review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It really makes a massive difference if you show up there because then the podcast will show up for more people and that is just really, really good. Any of this will help the show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day and bye-bye.